informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. On this Thursday, November the 3rd, 2022, on the Memorial of St. Martin de Porres. Praise be to Jesus. Pray for us. It's good to be back on the show. We have a lot to catch up on. Here's a question. Why are so many new Pontifical Academy for Life members at, like, seemingly odds? Like, completely in... And just like at odds with the church on her teaching of life and sexuality and family. I mean, why are we, why again are we appointing these people to the JP2 Academy for Life? Hey, Edward Penton's going to join us at 35 past the hour to have that conversation. And I imagine that I have missed just pretty much everything. Because like for two weeks, I didn't check the news. I didn't read the headlines. No idea. I tried, got in late last night, midnight, and, uh, Apparently, Elon Musk has taken over Twitter and ruined it, according to some. I don't know. Uh, Paul Pelosi attacked with a hammer-wielding homeless half-nudist guy. It's kind of weird. I'm going to be honest with you. Joe, did you miss the alien invasion? And then there was an alien invasion that I didn't catch. Uh, you missed also that uh, everybody's living under peace and justice now, that uh, Joe Biden has recounted his, uh, his promotion of, Mary of abortion. Has been oh, wow. Well, praise be to God. The Good sky fell. Well, I guess we're going to have to catch up on some of the things we've missed at 15 past the hour. So stick around right. for that. Hector Molina will be on at the top of the next hour to catch us up on the Sunday Gospel. So please do tune in for that in the next hour. If you can, you can always join us at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Hey, for the fourth time this year, the central bank has upped the um, the, the interest rates again. Now, this time by... Almost a full percent, like 75 percentage points there, uh, so or almost a full percent. So that's kind of a big deal. America can expect a turkey shortage and uh, increased prices as we go into Thanksgiving. So that's good news. Uh, Pope Francis departs today for Bahrain. Eighty thousand Catholics in the majority Muslim country there. This will be his 39th apostolic journey outside of Italy, and still to this date he has not gone back to Argentina. Wonder why that is. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, hey, a jury did find Daryl Brooks guilty of killing six people when he drove his SUV into a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin, last number of a year ago. So he was found guilty just yesterday. And again, good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. It's so good to have you back here. It's Is it? like having a legend back. It's like the return of the king. It's <laughs> like... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else is there? I don't uh, know. Keep keep stirring the pot. Go for it. Well, uh, I, I knew you were a harsh master, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> here's your talent back. <laughs> I buried it. I dug it up just for you. Here you go. Uh, well, you're a good man. Praise be to God. I, you guys survived it, though. We did. It, it was a good time, to be honest with you. It was, it was a good, good time. Yeah. Well, yeah, what you really missed mm -hmm. was Policicho. You missed yes. the puppet. Yeah, we you had a puppet, puppet in the studio. Yeah, somebody the mentioned that to me. Yeah, some people liked him. Other people didn't. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was a pretty much a 50-50 split, so 50 as far as we, we can had, tell. We had feedback, people saying, 
Oh, oh, I love the puppet. And then someone else saying, I hate the puppet. And Please I was like, okay, uh, with that, I will make sure to make sure everybody's happy. <laughs> well, I just want to thank uh, Jesus Robles, our friend Brent Haynes, and Mike uh, Koeniger for pitching in while I was away, making it possible for us to uh, to be up. I, I met some great people when I was in New Hampshire for two weeks who listened to the show, and they listened via our partner, Station of the Cross, on AM 1060 up there. God love you. Thank you for listening to the show. I'm very grateful to the, to have met you and uh, had such a great time, both at St. Catherine's Parish in Hudson, as well as the uh, uh, the St. Stanislaus FSSP Parish as well. Wonderful time. Couldn't say enough about it. But let's pray. Let's begin. We have so much to get into today. Again, Edward Penton from the National Catholic Register is going to be our guest, and we're going to catch up on all the stories that I missed, because I'm sure I missed a lot more than that. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, November the 3rd, and here are your headlines this morning. The Epic Times reports Federal Reserve raises interest rates by another 0.75% to cool inflation. It's the sixth rate increase this year and the fourth consecutive 75-point increase in 2022. Interest rates are now the highest they have been since January 2008. It was widely expected that the Fed would pull the trigger on a three-quarter point rate boost this time. The Postmillennial reports White House deletes tweet bragging about Social Security increase caused by inflation after Twitter blowback. Quote, seniors are getting the biggest increase in their Social Security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership, unquote, the official White House account posted. Twitter, now owned by Elon Musk, attached a context disclaimer to the tweet, saying that the true cause of the higher payments is due to the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on the inflation rate. Twitter's new birdwatch function adds context notes to tweets when they are highly rated enough by users. Ground News reports U.S. workers have gotten way less productive, and no one is sure why. Employers across the country are worried that workers are getting less done and there's evidence they're right to be spooked. U.S. labor productivity plunged by the sharpest rate on record going back to 1947. The drop-off is particularly concerning to economists and employers as the U.S. economy flirts with recession. Some might say we are in recession. CNA reports Irish priests reprimanded by bishop for homilies about sin. An Irish bishop apologized for a priest's sermon that described abortion and homosexual acts as examples of sinful behavior. Bishop Ray Brown of Kerry published an apology on November 1st for the deep upset and the hurt caused by the contents of the homilies given over the weekend by Father Sean Sheehy. Speaking to Radio Kerry, Father Sheehy said the bishop had stopped him from saying Mass, and he said also, quote, I know myself that what I said cannot be disproven by any honest-to-God Christian or Catholic teaching. And that's the bottom line, unquote, the priest said. Those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day 
Well, I bet you think I was going to say St. Martin de Porres, didn't you? No, I got you. Uh, it's No, it's Blessed Simon Balacci. You know, Italian names. I always struggle with those guys. He was born in Sant'Arcangelo near Rimini, Italy in 1250. The son of Count Balacci, nephew of two archbishops of Rimini, then brothers of a priest, Simon Balacci became a Dominican lay brother at the age of 27. Haha, <laughs> see, I still snuck in a Dominican anyway. His family was none too happy about this decision because he was supposed to administer the family property and had been trained as a soldier. They couldn't understand why he would abandon the many opportunities life had provided him. Not only was he throwing away a prestigious position in society, he was not even becoming a priest, which would provide him with a chance of ecclesiastical preference. Oblivious to the criticism of his family, Simon readily undertook the life of a lay brother. His principal work, to his great delight, was tending the garden. Having been preoccupied with military training, Simon may never have seen a garden prior to enter entering the Dominicans. He probably had to learn all the details of the art by trial and error. But while he tended the friary garden, he continued to plant prayers for his soul. He was adept at seeing God in everything. It is written that he meditated on every act, quote, so that while his hands cultivated the herbs and flowers of the earth, his heart might be a paradise of sweet-smelling flowers in the sight of God, end quote. He tried to find in everything he handled in the garden some lesson it could teach him about the spiritual life. When the weather, when the weather was too bad for him to work outside, he swept and cleaned the monastery. Wherever his work took him, he tried to do it well and to efface himself completely so that no one would even notice that he was there. Under the placid exterior of a gardener, Simon concealed a spiritual life of extraordinary austerity and prayer. He worked hard during the day that he may never excuse himself from rising for the night office, nor from severe penances. For 20 years, he wore an iron chain around his waist. In Lent, he lived on bread and water. He found extra time for prayer by foregoing sleep. Like St. Dominic, he scourged himself every night. Of course, all this growth and holiness attracted the devil, who would attempt to distract Simon. Other visitors came to him in the silence of the night, including St. Catherine of Alexandria, to whom he had a special devotion, St. Dominic and St. Peter Martyr, and sometimes the Blessed Virgin herself. His little cell was radiant with heavenly lights, and sometimes angelic voices could be heard within. Simon was blinded at the age of 57 and became helpless for the last years of his life, yet he never despaired. He died on November 3rd, 1319, and was beatified in 1817 with the cultus confirmed by Pope Pius VIII in 1820. Blessed Simon Balaki, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and the scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus addressed this parable to them. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. 
And upon his arrival at home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over the one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Cyril of Alexandria said, We may hence understand the extent of our Savior's kingdom, for he says there are a hundred sheep, bringing to a perfect sum the number of rational creatures subject to him. For the number hundred is perfect, being composed of ten decades. But of these, one has wandered, namely the race of human which inhabits the earth. Close quotes, St. Cyril of Alexandria, pray for us. St. Gregory the Great goes on to say, One sheep then perished when man, by sinning, left the pastures of life. But in the wilderness, the ninety-nine, uh, because the number of the rational creatures, that is to say, of angels and men who were formed to see God, were lessened when man perished. Hence, it follows does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, because, in truth, he left the companies of the angels in heaven. But when men forsook heaven, when he sinned, and that the whole body of the sheep might be perfectly made up again in heaven, the lost man was sought for on earth, as it follows, and go after that. St. Gregory the Great, pray for us. Did you catch that? The Lord, when he leaves heaven, comes to earth, takes upon flesh, is leaving behind the 99, and he comes to be upon earth to seek us because of our sin, to bring us back. And he does so with some gentleness. In fact, St. Gregory of Nyssa says, but when the shepherd has found the sheep, he did not punish it. He did not get it to the flock by driving it, but by placing it upon his shoulder and carrying it gently. He united it to his flock. Close quote, St. Nyssa. Uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa. So I like this because too often we think of that 99 as the Lord left them behind. We think of them as the Catholics, the, you know, those, those self-righteous Catholics. And he goes after that one person way out on the French who's doing whatever. Whereas the early church fathers saw it as the Lord coming upon the earth and seeking you and seeking me to bring us home again. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Some atheistic scientists claim we don't need God to explain the universe because science is sufficient to get the job done. But is this true? The answer is no, and here's the reason. Science could never negate the need for God because it can't give an exhaustive explanation of the universe. First, it relies on the inductive method in order to validate its hypotheses. As such, scientists can never be certain they've discovered every piece of data necessary to give a complete explanation. They must always be open to discovering something new that could alter their current theory. 
Furthermore, science presupposes an existing universe to observe and explain. Thus, it could never explain why the universe exists in the first place rather than not. Science has explanatory power, but not enough power to negate the need for God. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Uh, started drinking beer on Saturday nights, uh, sleeping in on Sunday mornings, missing Mass, and then it just became a pattern and continued. Without God, I don't know where I'd be right now. I feel like I'm whole again. I know the importance of the Eucharist. I know the importance of the sacraments that I didn't know at a young age. I follow God's will because my desire is to get to heaven. Our, our lives are rich and full by being members of the church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It's good to be back. Good to be back in the studio. Uh, I was like sitting in the airport yesterday thinking, college you is. I wish I was back in the studio right now. No, I was thinking, <laughs> um, I hope I remember how to do this. Uh, like, yikes. It's, it's too- like riding a bike. Uh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but two weeks off, like without, I didn't check the headlines. I didn't. Thank goodness. I didn't. Like, I intentionally avoided a lot of the stuff I have to do all the time anyway. Like, just stay up on top of. Like, I saw, I'd go on Twitter and I'd see people, you know, ranting and raving about. I'm like, nope, passing it. I'm Let me ask stop you. Stop and read it. How, how, did, how did that affect your psyche? Did you feel more at peace? Oh, it's great. More present? Oh, it's it fantastic. It is nice, isn't it? Yeah. I, and if I was going to watch YouTube, I was only going to watch something of entertainment value or mm. or like uh, I've been doing a lot of research on cameras lately. So I've, <laughs> I've just been bin- at night before bed, I've been binging these camera videos. But wow. other- otherwise, no news, no church politics, nothing for two whole weeks. No news is good news. Now, I know Ed Repentance coming up at the, uh, at the next segment, 35 past this hour, to talk about something that happened while I was gone. Uh, further appointments to the Pontifical Academy for Life that seem totally contrary to the faith. So we're going to yeah. ask him what in the world is going down with these appointments. Why would we do this again one more time? Uh, Edward Penton will be our guest. Join us at 35 past the hour for that. But uh, what did I miss? Astros. <laughs> the Astros tied up last night on the oh. uh, on the plane. We had Philly well. fans. We had Stros fans on the plane it was ride. A fight. Fight broke out. Dude, I, me and my buddies came, they came over to my house to watch the Astros game the day it rained. And they, <laughs> and they, had, they canceled the game. I had like started oh, making for heat the nachos and the guys getting it. And I was like, well, guess we're not watching the game guess tonight. Not, no they, game wait tonight. a minute. They don't play baseball in the rain? No, because the Philly stadium doesn't it's, have a, doesn't game. have a, a dome. Uh, but it's Houston open. does. But Houston oh, does. Houston and so does. they were like, uh, I guess we're going to have to cancel the game. Yeah. So, so they operation Popeye the rain. Let me tell you, is right that now. what happened? That's what happened. They <laughs> seeded the rain. They seeded the clouds. Now that uh, Joe's back, we can get rid of the conspiracy theories. Apparently, <laughs> uh, Elon Musk now owns Twitter. Yes. And uh, did he reinstate Donald Trump? I think that's in the cards. I like think like he may or may not. The rumor do that. was that he did. Yeah. Uh, I was going to do it last Monday. I don't know if it actually happened. I don't know that it happened either. Yeah. Uh, but I did see that Elon Musk dressed up as uh, Satan, a, as some sort of Satanist champion. Mm, he has Baphomet right. on his chest or something Great. like that, which we rebuke in Jesus' so name. So, is Elon our is he our Twitter savior or not? <laughs> What's the uh, prevailing opinion on it? 
Uh, you know, some people love Twitter now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. They're seeing that mm-hmm. it's a lot more balanced. It probably is. However, is it? Can you, how can you tell? It's He's been at the job seven minutes. I mean, Well, like, there was a story today about uh, the White House deleting a tweet after public backlash saying, oh, yeah. well, actually, okay. what you said is false. Mm-hmm. Senior citizens aren't getting more in Social Security. It's actually just because you're keeping up with inflation. And they're like, at what point do we have to start telling truthful things? So they deleted Never. it. So I don't know. Maybe we're seeing just the cusp, the beginning of uh, So they fact-checked the White justice. House and deleted their tweet? Or the White the House? The White del- House deleted it its after, own tweet. And after their own embarrassment. I see. Being called out by the public. I got it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, I've, you know, being probably the only person here who uh, is way too active on Twitter, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, um, I've noticed at first everybody was really excited that Elon Musk was taking over. And now a lot of the the Catholic uh, community in uh, on Twitter are backtracking. They're like, maybe we shouldn't jump in on this whole Elon Musk thing. And I'm like, guys, I, how many times I got to say it? We can be happy whenever we get small victories from these famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's a, I think it will be better than what it was before. But it's not going to be the Catholic paradise. It's not going to be the thing we were hoping for. It's going to, it's probably going to be better than what it was. But it's not going to be good. And Adrian's I think like, I understand that. Adrian's like, don't make me tap the sign. <laughs> <laughs> what is, what's the sign? Uh, it's a Simpsons reference. Oh, I don't know that. Now, I, did you guys? Back. I so I was trying to get caught up last night, and I discovered that while I was away, and Elon buys Twitter, he fires the executives, mm-hmm. and then apparently someone, uh, maybe it was Elon, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Someone leaked that Twitter this whole time had provide, and so did Facebook provide a backdoor interface to the Fed. Anybody mm. with a government email could request access what? to a backdoor interface to both Twitter and Facebook. I knew it. So that they could personally flag tweets and accounts and have them deleted what? or deplatformed. I didn't see that. You didn't see that? No, I didn't see that. Yeah. Adrian's like, oh no. Dude, that's crazy. I gotta get off Twitter. Yeah. And, nah, I, and I Facebook is still doing this, obviously. Uh, I guess Elon hasn't purchased that one yet. Uh, uh, these platforms are not your friend. So government, a direct government censorship, the, Twitter and Facebook just said, you know what? what? Let's cut out the middleman. Here, here, you do it yourself. Here's your, here's your dashboard. <laughs> I'm tired of doing your work for Have you. Have fun. Leave us out of it. We just want to drink, you know, lattes all day. Uh, we don't oh, have time for this. heavenly. Which, by the way, being on two weeks vacation, I finally know what it means to be a millennial. Like, to sit around and just drink coffee and, like... Did you have a latte? Not really do much. Like, I'm like, this is what the millennials are are doing these days. Like, this is amazing. I want to do this forever. Yeah, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that back in California. However... Okay. We're in Texas now, and that's not socially acceptable, so... Speaking of California, uh, uh, Paul Pelosi gets attacked by a psychedelic, half-nudist... Crazy guy? Homeless, isn't that called Tuesday? Crazy in person, <laughs> mentally deranged person with a hammer. But get this, like what? He was inspired by MAGA with his BLM sign on his yeah. on his school bus, yeah, and his rainbow flag, yeah, uh, yeah. This guy, this guy seems like he's he is part of the problem that is pervading San Francisco these days, where we have not enforced the laws and and allowed uh, people to go unchecked. 
And so you have a homeless problem, a mental illness on the street problem, uh, induced by drugs in particular. Apparently this man's wife is in prison for molesting her children. Hmm. So there is a, like, the other question is, uh, why wasn't there security around? How did this guy get into the house? Yeah, so that's interesting, right? Uh, supposedly there's security systems in every representative's home. Like specifically, Nancy Pelosi's home is wired up. So all that, of her homes. Yeah. So all. Of, yeah. Exactly. So the Capitol Police can actually look at it. But, no, or she has private security. Well, that too. And oftentimes, but nobody's watching. She has. She cameras. has actual agents. Like uh, they. They. They have actual federal agents with them at all times. Didn't her husband also get She's in a DUI recently? She's yeah. the third in charge. She's third in line to run the country with the nuclear codes. So her homes are very well mm -hmm. sealed and protected. Actually. But there but there was no one around? That seems strange. I Adrian, a, what did you just say? I was saying, uh, didn't he just get a DUI not too long ago? Oh, there like, was that. What is yeah. up with uh, this family? Like you're saying, like they, he, they have not just private security, but they have the Secret Service yeah. that uh, work with them. Yeah. And how is it that he's even driving himself? Like, what's going on with Nancy Pelosi's husband? It, it's well, he's I don't know. peculiar. It's very peculiar. He probably just wants to do his own thing. Yeah, I don't want security guards following me around. I wouldn't either. I don't think but you know choice. what? It reminds me of, of yeah, a funny story. My, uh, my mom has a house cleaning business, and mm -hmm. she cleaned the house of a very important person in California who's mm -hmm. involved in the government. I'm not going to say who. But uh, she was cleaning the uh, the air duct right above the stove, and there was a security feature there just in case there was an emergency, a button that they could press, and then the police would show up. So <laughs> I don't know why like Paul this. didn't have one of those. How come that we don't have one of those? <laughs> no, <laughs> we don't have. Let's the... be honest. We would forget it was in the uh, well in the stove thing. Apparently, the police did respond like uber quick. Yeah. to this house. So everybody else in San Francisco gets like a. Hey, can two you make an appointment for two weeks from now kind of a thing? <laughs> Whereas the Pelosi's, they get immediate response, but they're not releasing the body cam footage as far as I know. Yeah. So we'll, I guess we'll never know the, the bottom line here. But it sounds to me like this crazy person who has uh, a drug-induced mental disorder uh, somehow got into this house and thought he was doing a good thing in some way, shape, or form. I have no idea, but... Getting hit in the head with a hammer, it's got to hurt at, mm. at Mr. Pelosi's yeah. age. Fractured his skull. At any age. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, how horrible is that? So what else did I miss? What else is, like, what, two weeks? My goodness. Two weeks of news. Where do I start, what, Joe? What, what, what's, what are the big Speaking stories? of beatings, uh, one of the Rubio canvassers uh, suffered a brutal beating while going door-to-door oh, yeah. -door really? in, uh, in Florida. Yeah, wow. he got beaten in a, a, a Democrat enclave, and they said, you Republicans, they're not welcome here. The, they well, said something to the equivalent of, this is MAGA country, but it was more like, this is Biden country. They probably and wanted a dialogue. That's yeah. probably what it was. Uh, some interesting Chinese stories. Uh, there was a couple that was indicted for trying to force Chinese nationals to go back and uh, be prosecuted in China. Uh, for being dissidents. Is this related to the uh, <clears throat> the Chinese the, police? The police? Yeah, exactly. Police stations here in the United States? I, I don't know if they're related, but I, I think they might be. Uh, mm -hmm. Another interesting China story is a couple of pilots from the U.S. and the U.K. Mm -hmm. have been going over to China and advising their uh, their Air Force because they're like <laughs> they're not related not? to the military of uh, their home countries anymore, yeah. so they're able to just this go there idea. To, to just like, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Consult them. Yeah. But Did you see the, the Trump is little... dead hoax? What? No. Yeah, there is a hoax going around. People, someone made a <laughs> fake um, 
uh, image from CNN saying Trump is dead. And CNN nice. came out and was like, we did not report that. We did not do that. <laughs> Good for uh, them. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> but uh, but they, there was a hoax that was going around. So there was, like, that happened as well. Here's another interesting story. Do you remember like almost a year ago, mm-hmm. we were talking about getting this guy on to talk about Operation Pineapple. Which was the it was the withdrawal from Afghanistan? Oh yes, and they had the secret call sign with yeah, the pineapple, yeah. and they would let these, these oh, people in. Another thing that the Fed decided to censor on Twitter was Operation Pineapple. Okay, so remember we couldn't get the people on. They kind of gave us the, the right cold around. shoulder yeah. and run around. They said, "Oh yeah, yeah. we'll come on." And then then they didn't. Uh-huh. Well, it turns out that one of the the people involved, he was a journalist called James Gordon Meek. He was raided by the FBI. Some think that it had something to do with this Operation Pineapple uh, really? information. And then he disappeared since April. Mm-hmm. And just recently, last week, yeah. they found him for the very first time, and he's uh, hiding out with his mother-in-law or something. Really? Like yeah. fra- afraid for his life kind of hiding out? I don't know, but he's completely disappeared from the public view. So uh, it's very, very interesting story. I'm not wow. sure... This is a developing story, so I'm sure maybe we'll find out what happened. Lula won the election allegedly in in Brazil. Allegedly, allegedly. yeah, he won it like by like half a a fraction of a percent. It's like by point point eight point eight percent he won by. It was fifty. It was like fifty point nine versus forty nine point three, something like that. Wow. What else? What else? Let's see here. That's crazy. RSV, which is a respiratory virus, it's uh, sure. okay. affecting young children, toddlers, yeah. uh, sending them to the hospital. It turns out that uh, that may be because of all our little COVID policies. Uh, maybe <laughs> uh, staying at home wasn't so great of an idea. Not so, not so swift, huh? Not so good. Well, I guess uh, I guess we're going to learn a lot of the lessons the hard way uh, after the pandemic. It would seem because I did also see last night that the uh, Boston lab, that's uh, experimenting with the Omicron and the Wuhan lab versions of the uh, coronavirus has an 80% kill rate in lab uh, mice. So let's hope that doesn't get leaked out. I mean, (laughs) yikes. Yikes. Oh, boy. I guess I missed a lot of stuff. Uh, Let me know in the comments if you're watching on the live video streams of what else I missed. But uh, don't go anywhere. Edward Penton is coming up after this break. As well as more breaking news and stories, Rudy Carlos, all that and more is coming off of Catholic Drive Time. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. How many times have you heard someone talk about how important it is to be progressive? Have you ever asked them what they mean by that? G.K. Chesterton says, progress is a useless word. For progress takes for granted an already defined direction. And it's exactly about the direction that we disagree. We can't have progress until we've stated what our goal is. And then we can determine whether or not we're moving closer to it or farther from it. The real question is not whether we are progressive, but what is our goal? My goal is to get to heaven and to help others get there too. What's yours? Want Chesterton for more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe Radio Network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network, and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons 
find the way and find the, the, the Catholic truth and get back on track. So really thank you for that. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now more headlines. Breitbart reports, over half of England and Wales' population growth is due to immigration, census reveals. The migrant-fueled population growth in the two UK nations is not an isolated instance, with other countries across Europe seeing their population soar as a result of legal and illegal immigration. The Epic Times reports, using nighttime light data, researcher finds Chinese GDP may be overstated by about 35%. The U.S. study gathered nighttime light data from satellites and used that to measure the exaggeration of official GDP data of autocratic regimes. According to the author of the study, governments of all types tend to have the incentive to overstate their economic figures, as they are a major determinant of government turnover. Buddy found proportional exaggeration of GDP growth in autocracies, just uh, for example, as in China. LifeSite reports UK man becomes first to receive a bank microchip implant for making purchases. In a major victory for transhumanism, and I mean that sarcastically, the first British man has been implanted with a bank card microchip, enabling him to make purchases with only the tap of his hand. He says, quote, it's like a normal card, but you have to be more precise where you tap, the NHS healthcare assistant told The Sun. It means I don't have to keep a wallet with me at all. And then he added that the last time he had used cash, 40 uh, euro went missing along with his work pass card. Like a normal bank card, his microchip will eventually expire and will need a 130 euro replacement procedure in 2029. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Boy, by tomorrow, hopefully, we'll have refreshed our memory. Figure out, like, <laughs> how do you do this thing again? I, I forget. I forget. Uh, not enough sleep, for sure, but uh, it's good to be back on the program. Coming up at, uh, at the top of the next hour, Hector Molina is going to be our guest to dive into the Sunday Gospel. Hopefully, you can join us for that. We'd love to have you, of course getting us ready for the Sunday Gospel. And then, of course, we'll have an after show, which is the second half of the second hour, where we're going to get a lot more casual with you in conversation and directly comment and uh, conversate with you on the chats of the live video stream. And I'll share with you a little bit about my two weeks vacation in New Hampshire. It's such a beautiful place. Uh, made me miss it, to be honest with you. I'll tell you all about that in the after show. So join us, if you can, in the live video streams for the second half of the second hour. We would love to have you. But... Joining us right now to chat about what in the world is going on at the uh, Pontifical Academy for Life is Edward Penton, a journalist with the National Catholic Register. Good morning to you, Edward Penton. Good morning. <clears throat> Praise be to God, Edward. Thank you for your time today. We're so grateful to you. Uh, so while I was away for two weeks, I guess the, uh, the Vatican has uh, appointed new members of the Pontifical Academy for Life that seem to be in total contradiction to what the Church teaches on life. Can you tell us the story, please? Yes, well, the Pope appointed 15 new members to the Academy for Life. Uh, I think seven of them were uh, ordinary members, which are been full members of the Academy. The Academy was set up by John Paul II really to uh, to engage with with world um, with academics in the world to try to understand, try to 
searching for opportunity right below. Um, and what these two appointments have done, they, they, they've been made for the chances. They are uh, academic. We um, don't seem to have much connection with ISIS, but not only that, but one, of them, one of them at least is an atheist who's for abortion. Uh, another one has indicated the global right to abortion, universal right to abortion. Um, another one is an academic associate from the university um, who is just uh, advocating abortion up to a number of feet. Mm. Um, and then we have um, the, uh, there's also a, an appointment to the Council's Academy of Life, uh, somebody who's actually the president of the Institute here, who uh, has uh, advocated same-sex persons under certain conditions. All of these criteria don't match what one wanted uh, when it's about the academy and a uh, fairly contravening Catholic church is on, on all these matters to be applied. So it's quite a, 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 a big example of Hey, Edward, I'm going to ask our producer to try to reconnect you because your your phone line is uh, very difficult to hear. There's cutting in and out quite a bit. So I'm going to have my producer uh, try to uh, re-initiate re- the call to see if we can't get that better quality there. While we're doing that, let me just read to you just a few, a little bit of this article that Edward put out at the National Catholic Register at ncregister.com. Um, it says... Uh, so far, it has emerged that two academics recently appointed full members of the Pontifical Academy for Life have expressed their public support for legalized abortion. Another has advocated universal abortion access and use of artificial contraception among the poor. And a fourth new member, a Jesuit moral theolo- uh, theology professor, has made it clear he supports artificial contraception in some cases. Pope Francis has uh, also appointed to the Academy's governing council a French theologian and head of the Pontifical John Paul II Theological Institute for Marriage and Family Sciences, who has appeared to similarly promote contraception and approved of liturgical blessings for same-sex couples under certain conditions. The Pope's appointments announced October the 15th have caused consternation among the moral theologians, lawyers, and Catholic doctors, who have firmly reproved the choices as antithetical to Academy's primary purpose. Pope St. John Paul II set up the institution in 94 in defense and promotion of the value of human life and of the dignity of the person. Critics have also argued that choosing such members runs contrary to the Academy's own statutes revised in 2016, which mandate that each ordinary member of the highest rank of, or which is the highest rank of the Academy member, be chosen for, among other attributes, their faithful service in the defense of and promotion of the right to life of every human person. Uh, Edward, one of the things that you point out in your article is there used to be a like a statement of faith that these members would have to agree to. They'd have to sign. That apparently was done away with in 2017. Right. Yes, they did away with that soon after they uh, implemented the new statute to the academy. Uh, they took away that, that uh, requirement of each new member to uh, sign this oath, basically, to, to defend such a teaching on life. So, yes, that's what one of the changes to make, among many that they've lost in years. 
You're still having lots of trouble with your phone line there, Edward. It's really hard to hear you, so I, I apologize for that. Um, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna go ahead and put you on hold again, but uh, just and I'll continue to read this article that Edward Penton put out at ncregister.com. It says the academy has defended its choice of new members approved by Pope Francis for five-year terms, saying their backgrounds will help provide quote a constant and fruitful interdisciplinary, intercultural, and interreligious dialogue. Close quote. In a later October the 19th statement, the Academy stressed that as a, quote, body of study and research, close quote, it was proper for, quote, debate and dialogue to take place among people from different backgrounds, close quote. It also tried to offer reassurance, saying that the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith must in any case approve of all its documents and that all members are vetted through the apostolic nuncio and the Bishop's Conference of the countries where they live and work. Pope Francis, on receiving Pontifical Academy for Life, President Archbishop Vincenzo Paglia on Saturday, reportedly had only praise for the Vatican body and expressed his full appreciation for his upcoming plans. The most publicized of the controversial new ordinary members has been Mariana Mazzucato, uh, an influential professor of the economics of innovation and public value at University College London, who published comments on Twitter around the time of the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade that showed her support for abortion rights, as well as tweeting the comment, so good, in response to a rant by a liberal commentator who derided Christians for dictating how she should live her life when it comes to abortion and contraception. Mazzucato also retweeted a number of other comments that were unmistakably in support of abortion rights. They included her retweeting comments by Nicola Sturgeon, the head of the Scottish National Party, the, the head of the Scottish National Party, who tweeted on the day of Dobbs' decision that it was, quote, one of the darkest days for women's rights in my lifetime, close quote, and that, quote, obviously the immediate consequences will be suffered by women in the U.S., but this will be emboldened, this will embolden anti-abortion and anti-women forces in other countries, too. Solidarity doesn't feel enough right now, but it is necessary, close quote. On the same day, Mazzucato retweeted, uh, another one, the director general of the World Health Organization, who tweeted that, quote, safe abortion is health care, close quote, because it, quote, saves lives, close quote. How does it save lives exactly? I'm just curious, because there was another person that was also a part of this Pontifical Academy of Life who repeatedly would talk about, like, safe abortions. It is never safe for the child who's losing its life. It's completely harmful. It's a 100% death sentence for every child who loses its life in abortion. I like how they spin this, they twist this to make it seem one thing when honestly it truly is, truly is another. Archbishop Paglia defended appointing the economist, telling Catholic News Services last week that all members, including Mazzucato, quote, have at heart the value of human life in their area of expertise and defend life in its entirety, close quote. It wouldn't seem so Archbishop, based on their own opinions. But we'll have more on this on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Edward Penton's going to be back. 
Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving, not so that I can sit there and say that I gave the GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Boy, being two weeks off, it's just like you don't... I, I didn't pay any attention to the news, only to come back. I was reading Edward Penton's article at the National Catholic Register on what was going on at the National, the Pontifical Academy for Life, and it is just mind-numbing to me. I just don't understand. And he joins us now by Zoom chat, so hopefully we'll get the audio all cleared up. Good morning again to you, Mr. Penton. Good morning, Joe. Sorry about that. Yes, oh, wow. perfect. perfect. This is like HD. <laughs> this is good stuff here. <laughs> uh, I was reading your article in the last segment where we're trying to get you back on, and uh, the Archbishop Pockley had defended the choice, actually saying that, that uh, like, for instance, uh, Mazzucato uh, or Mozzicato uh, defends life, like, but it seems t- completely contrary. She apparently uh, is very much in favor of abortion choice, and there's a twisting of the words here. So why did they? What can you, maybe you can help us understand? Why would the, uh, Archbishop Paglia seem to think that her economic outlook would outweigh her abortion outlook? Well, <clears throat> this is all to do, really, uh, Joe, with the, with the seamless garment approach, I think, which is that, uh, you know, they, the seamless garment really means that they consider all life to be, all life issues to be of equal worth this, in, the same, in the same sense. So, so you know, abortion and, um, and, and those issues are as equal uh, moral weight as, say, poverty and those who are living um, lives which many would think were not, you know, uh, not worthy of, of, a, of a good life, a, good, a certain standard of life. And so, um, and so that's really why they brought on this economist, who's a very influential economist, but very much of the left. Um, although I think she denies that. But when you look at her connections and her, her sort of uh, academic credentials and her theories, they're very much from the left. And so uh, she's very much sort of trying to help you know, uh, poverty, not that the right doesn't, but I think she's, she's very much focused on that. And so, 
I think Archbishop Pallia felt, well, to have her on board, you know, that's with the way the world is and that the way that the Academy is now dealing with with these issues because of the seamless government approach, it was right to have her on board. And so that's really, I think, I think the essence behind the essential meaning behind this disappointment. You mentioned in your article there was a nurse that was also uh, involved in this, uh, Ashila Tlu. I'm not sure how to say that name correctly. Um, but yes. uh, she apparently likes to talk about safe abortions. She's throwing this around like, I mean, it's a complete contradictory term there, safe abortion. The baby dies every mm-hmm. single time. Um, right. So how safe could it be for the child that's being aborted? Oh, Why would we allow people to manipulate and twist the language in the Pontifical Academy for Life? Again, this just seems completely contrary to what would be common sense. Right. And she also advocates the universal right to abortion um, and wants it, you know, universal, universal access, I should say. And so she um, <clears throat> she's very much, again, from that sort of uh, I, I, I loathe to use the word left. But I mean, it is very much from the left leaning uh, side of, of this, this debate, which is that, um, you know, life issues uh Abortion is is acceptable under certain circumstances, and and it's not an intrinsic evil. And and these people seem to believe that. And and I think, I mean, from the actions of the academy under Archbishop Pallia, uh, they believe it too. I mean, they they by allowing these people into the academy, uh, clearly it's not a it's not a big issue for them that they don't see it as an intrinsic evil. And so they've allowed them to to come on board. I see. Mr. Penton, this is Rudy Carlos here. And uh, right before the break, we asked you about this document uh, that uh, potential uh, employees of the Academy had to sign up until 2017. Would you say that 2017 was a turning point for the Pontifical Academy, uh, where it all started to go downhill and the optics started becoming pretty sour? Um, or has it has it uh, has it been more recent than that? No, that's that's basically the, the point where it all Changed. It was the new statutes. It was basically the, the appointment of Archbishop Pallia as the as the president of the mm. academy, and then from since since then everything has has rather declined um, in a big way. I would I think many people would say. So yes, that that was definitely the turning point. And I mean I I remember writing about the appointments back in 2017. We had the the first time they appointed uh, he's an Anglican theologian. Uh, to to the membership of the academy, and he advocated abortion up to up to a few weeks. I think um, he was against abortion, but he allowed he thought that it could be acceptable after uh, before I think maybe thirteen weeks or something. So he so that was when things you know that's when alarm bells went off for a lot of people, and they thought this is this is not what John Paul uh, really wanted with him on the academy. Oh. Certainly not what um, Jerome Lejeune, who was the the first president. Uh, wanted, who was of course the great pioneer of of, um, of discovering that the, the Down syndrome uh, children, uh, and so that that's where it all began. I think that's that's where the the, the the rot set in, as many might say. Is there anything left in the Pontifical Academy for Life that is? Uh you know, worth note or celebrating or paying attention to? Is there, are there members standing up and defending uh, John Paul II's vision for this? Uh, are they pushing back at all? Well, there, there's been some um, criticism, but the thing is when those changes happened, uh, there was a big purge of membership and all of the, 
those members who were upholding orthodoxy in the church's teaching were were basically dismissed and and they brought in these other members who who are not in line with with what john paul wanted from the institute so the academy so i think that's um so that's really what what happened and uh, but there are some some i mean there's still cardinal willem ike uh, on as a member and he's very solid and very pro-life he's a former doctor himself and um there are a few members still on there who will occasionally speak up, but uh, the fact that it's now basically under the control of Archbishop Pallier and and you and you've got the Pope agreeing to these appointments, it's very hard for them to speak out in any any way which which will allow them to stay on board and uh, and continue to perhaps exert influence from within. So I think they're reluctant to actually say anything in case they might get you know dismissed as well, and then. Then there's no resistance to this sort of uh, these sort of actions, Mr. Pinton. You know, one thing that I, I just think about is the fact that the Pontifical Academy for Life used to be cited pretty regularly as a source of authority, as if the Pontifical Academy for Life was, in fact, the magisterium speaking on life issues. Uh, but now that all these things are happening, people are starting to say that, and people are questioning. Okay, well, what kind of weight in terms of authority does the pontifical academy for life actually have yeah that's a good question really i mean i think that the, that's going to be a problem going forward because this they might have some weight in in certain circles certainly those you know who who agree with the sort of views put forward by these new members um but when it comes to you know pro-life issues uh issues regarding abortion or contraception or or other issues like that i think that it's going to be difficult for them to really have any credibility. I mean, they put out a new book this year about um, uh, Humana Vitae and, and contraception, and that was has been strongly criticized by Cardinal Muller and others because of, it, it deviates from Humana Vitae and the, the orthodox interpretation of, of Humana Vitae. So I think already you're seeing that, that destruction of credibility in terms of those issues. So, um, yeah, I think that that's like to go continue going forward you know uh, the other thing about this is the uh so the theologians that are being appointed here as well that also seem father yanez monsignor uh that you point out in your article both have mm-hmm. troubling issues about their theology um so mm-hmm. some would say some would say edward penton that the church can't change church teaching uh, but it, so instead of trying to change church teaching, it will simply undermine it, uh, and this could be one of the ways that that's happening. Do you see it that way? Yes, I mean that's been it seems to have been a strategy from well the beginning of this pontificate. It's sad to say. I mean that that's been what they've been trying to do through the synods and through all different kinds of of mechanisms that they've been using, and and the 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 approach they're taking really is to change the practice, change the pastoral practice. They say. So that these issues are are kind of seem to be more accepted and included and, and, and welcomed, so so that people aren't so excluded and all of this, um, without actually changing the, the the teaching itself. But that is a way; it's an old Marxist way, actually, of of changing um, changing a policy without actually changing it overtly. So it's a way of of sort of subversively changing it. Um, and that's what they've been trying to do for the past ten years, really. So, uh, let me—I want to give a—I want to give a chance here for Pope Francis. Is it possible 
Is it possible Pope Francis simply doesn't know the details of these appointees, that he trusts the people who sup- uh, supply these names to him, that he just, you know, gives them the the sort of the uh, the rubber stamp and doesn't put much effort into figuring this out for himself. Wh- what are the chances that you think at Repentin that Pope Francis is unaware of the, I mean, because I can't imagine Pope Francis spends a lot of time on Twitter, for instance. And I, has he even met these people? I wonder how much of that is uh, an issue for Pope Francis. Well, I think there's a question. I mean, if, if he doesn't know what's going on, then that's neglect and that he should. And if he does, well, that's a problem too. So I don't think there's, a, <laughs> there's any real way for him to escape this. I think, uh, and, and I, I'm quite sure he's seen the headlines and the problems with these appointments. And yet he then received Archbishop Pallier in, in audience, private audience only a few days later and praised the Academy for its future uh, program. Mm-hmm. And said gave it its full appreciation and didn't say anything critical, at least wasn't reported. He didn't make any effort to to make sure that that was out put out into the media that he was appro- disapproving of these appointments. So, so you have to take it that he's completely behind them, um, unless he says otherwise. And that seems to be the case with every single um, thing coming out of the Vatican, uh, you know, scandalous or not. But if he doesn't actually say anything to distance himself from them, well, then you have to believe that he's probably behind them. Now, you wrote a book on the potential next pope. We've interviewed you about that book in the past. Now, is this one of those cases where, kind of like American politics, every election things swing left or things swing right? Do you think in the next pontificate, let's just say hypothetically that that is a more conservative pope, would this all change under that pontificate? Um, I think it would. I think there'd be a lot. A lot of this can be undone very easily. Um, I've been told by canonists and others that uh, this okay. can be reversed. So yes, if that if we get a more conservative, if we get a conservative pope who's orthodox, I think you, you would see that. All right, Edward Penton, National Catholic Register, ncregister.com. Check out this article. A lot more details. You should read it. Edward Penton, God bless you. God love you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good to be with you. All right. Praise be to God. Hector Molina is going to be on at the top of the next hour to go into the Sunday Gospel. Join us. God love you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question if you're a non-Catholic friend. Was the Catholic Church in existence as far back as the first three centuries? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, baseball. In September 1845, the New York Knickerbocker Baseball Club was formally established and called baseball. Rules were set included the diamond-shaped infield, foul lines, and the three-strike rule. But 70 years before that, in 1775, that game was already being played on schoolyards, well before it was ever called baseball. Secondly, the Apostolic Father. 
fathers, such as Tertullian, Clement, St. Ignatius, all wrote before 215 A.D. about the authority of the local bishop, and they used the name the Catholic Church, which already had the liturgy, the Eucharist, the readings, the relics, a hierarchy, and jurisdiction. And thirdly, my take. To fishermen, a dolphin was just a big fish until they were termed dolphins, but they were always dolphins. And baseball was baseball well before it was termed baseball. And you will love this. The early church was the Catholic Church well before Constantine the Great, the Nicene Creed, and your church history book. Hey, Donnie, who were the first two people God created? Adam and Eve. There you go. And what did we inherit from them? Original sin. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. You're listening to KSHJ. 1430 AM, Houston, Texas, your Catholic radio station on air and online at grnonline.com. I'm with you, praise be to God. Good morning. I mean, uh, yeah, I had like three and a half hours sleep last night. That's it. And I was driving in thinking, I don't know that I can survive this. (laughs) Uh, We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Coming up at... uh, 15 past the hour, we play the game show. Have you guys been doing the game show while I was gone? Oh, yeah. No, nah, we can't oh, do yeah. it. I was, I was afraid you would. Actually, that was the Poli Chicho segment. That was the Poli so, Chicho segment. Uh, yeah, he calls in and talks about all kinds of different things. Oh, wow. Well, uh, there's a game show coming up, and prizes <laughs> are involved, and I can't wait to get involved in that again. We got a cool prize this week, by the way. You should uh, you should go to grnonline forward slash cdt and check out the number there. And what? Get in line, because it's a really cool in this, this Is week. it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I see how you are. You get the cool stuff while I'm gone. <laughs> All right. All right. Praise be to God. Hey, Sharon. No Sharon, it was great to meet you, too, up there at St. Catharines in Hudson, New Hampshire. I really enjoyed myself. Uh, Father Michael was just so gracious to have me come up. And, and I also uh, really enjoyed meeting uh, old friends and new friends at uh, at uh, at the FSSP parish there in Nashua with Father Bransich, and it was just you know what they do there? What they do a catechism class for everyone, parents, kids, the whole everyone gathers. And they show them CDT. <laughs> uh, Father Bransich loves CDT. Praise be to God. Yeah, yeah. Father Mike also loves CDT. Listens to to CDT. So just had such a great time. We're going to talk more about that. My trip. What we did, all of it in the after show. Join us for the second half of this hour on one of the live video feeds, and I will tell you all about it, and we'll talk about that or whatever you want to talk about. You can comment directly, but uh, it just blows my mind still to this, just sitting here thinking, why would we, why would we appoint people who are just so anti-life to the Pontifical Academy for Life? Like, I mean, there's no, there's not even subtlety in this. No, there isn't. And, you know, we, we discussed it as soon as the one of the first, I keep forgetting, Mazzucato, I think, was appointment, appointed. We talked about it in our What's Concerning Us segment. 
And just her her track record for promoting abortion, however private that may be, is it's yeah. it's odd that they would bring these people in. And I had that same question you had, uh, Joe. How is it possible that the Pope could rubber stamp this person into the Academy for Life? It doesn't make any sense. It's well, bad optics. There's, there's no, there's no, there's not enough pro-life people out there that he could have got instead. That's <laughs> not why. none. Huh? Holy there's Father, none. there are three right I here. See. Yeah, I can, well, I can think of a few more. I, even, can, I know? can think of people more qualified. Yeah, yeah definitely. More <laughs> than us three. <laughs> well, we, we're more qualified than these people, apparently. Well, it's not. It doesn't take much, I guess. No, I guess <laughs> not. <laughs> You know, it is uh, really bizarre. When I was uh, when I was in New Hampshire, there, of course, on the ballot up there is abortion, mm. and uh, there was. I happened to wear. That's one of the things I hate about going to hotels and you're trying to eat. Is with, New Hampshire blue? With your, it's it's purple. Purple. Okay. It's a purple state. A swing. And uh, we were trying to eat breakfast in one of the hotel lobbies, and or you know the kit the kitchen area, whatever. And they have a TV on. And I'm like trying oh, to keep my no. kids from watching the TV, kind of thing. So these hotels, they kill me. Oh, I hate the restaurants like that. But they had a tel- they had a commercial like on. It they had a commercial on that I was like, oh, this is a pro life commercial. This is great, mom, baby. This is tender. It's beautiful. It's well shot. It was a pro abortion one. Obviously, it was shot on a micro four thirds camera. It was just beautiful. <laughs> it's glorious. Yeah. They always shoot commercials on Lumixes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but at the end, it was actually a pro abortion commercial. You're really. kidding. Yeah, and it was Wild. like the manipulation of it, the subtlety of it was just like it was like a two by four at the on, in the face at the end of the commercial and i thought how many like i saw huge people put out these huge signs you know a b- reproductive rights is on the ballot you know kind of a thing all on the street corners and it's just show like, me on the constitution where it says that i i would see signs that would say you know just crazy things but it just blows me away how many people will be will be swayed by all of this and I they know. will vote a certain way and the reality is and I've said this so many times to old friends I was catching up with, you know, I, we would talk about politics or the church or the world and, and how bad the world is these days. And they'd be like, there's no hope. I go, there's hope. The instant that the bishops of the world decide to convert every soul, <laughs> world gets better. Mm. Amen. World get better. It, it's, there is no political solution. There's no voting people in in this having a better world. You're going to have to have a conversion experience for the world. And only the bishops... And the priests uh, in communion with him can can make that happen. Exactly. Monarchy. Joe's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, go back, go um, back. Uh, Apparently I, I, mean, um, I missed something else when I was away. <laughs> we had uh, six shows in a row on monarchy. Ah, oh, well, wow. that explains some things right there. All right, well, praise be to God. Let's see if our friend Hector Molina is on the line. Good morning to you, Hector. Good morning, Joe. Welcome back. Praise be to God. Would you vote for a uh, a Catholic monarch to take over the world? <laughs> Just curious. Are you running? No, no, I am definitely no, but not I am. running. I will run away. Uh, that's about the only running that I'll do from that. No way. Uh, but anyway, let's let's talk about the Sunday Gospel this week. Uh, by the way, it's good to hear your voice again. I've been on for two weeks. How you been? Uh, we've been well. Missed you. Uh, Rudy and I have been having a great time uh, over the past couple of weeks, but uh, I hope that you're well rested, and uh, it sounds like you're ready to go. <laughs> I got three hours sleep last night, but let's, let's, yeah. keep, let's keep pretending anyway. So the Sunday Gospel wow. is Luke chapter 20, verses 27 through 38. Tell us what's going on. Yes, well, we, we jumped from our last um, gospel, which was the gospel concerning... Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus, 
And now we jump from that to Jesus in the temple. You know, over the last several months, we've been accompanying Jesus as he makes his final pilgrimage for his ultimate Passover. And now he's in Jerusalem, so this gospel basically skips over his triumphal entry into the holy city. We know that he cleanses the temple, which caused grave scandal and ruffled more than a few feathers, particularly amongst the religious elite, including the, the Sadducees, which are is the party that is effectively challenging Jesus in today's gospel. So Jesus is undergoing a series of encounters, confrontations, so to speak, with various religious groups or sects. He's already been approached and challenged by the chief priests and scribes, the Pharisees, and now it's the Sadducees' turn to test Jesus. And so it states here in Sunday's Gospel that there came to him some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection. And that's important because the that they pose to Jesus pertains to the common belief in the first century at that point in time in the resurrection of the dead. Now, it's important to note that the Sadducees only accepted as inspired scripture the five books of Moses. They did not consider the prophets or the writings as inspired word of God, so they limited themselves to uh, a Torah-only approach scripture and this is in contrast with the Pharisees and most Jews of that day that did accept the rest of the books of the Old Testament canon as scripture and consequently their belief in the resurrection had been developed over centuries so that was a common belief the Sadducees went against that that's part of why people rejected them because of their refusal to believe in the resurrection, in angels, in the supernatural. So their view was, this life is it. And effectively, you can imagine, Joe, if, if you have no hope in the resurrection, mm -hmm. if you have no hope in eternal life, that's going to really impact the way that you live your life. And it's no wonder the Sadducees were the most influential, politically connected, uh, wealthy of the religious leaders because they were out for themselves. They were out to consolidate as much power and to accumulate as much wealth as possible, which led to their corruption and downfall. So they approached Jesus with this question regarding the resurrection, because they denied it. And this is a question that scholars contend was a popular one, because they no doubt were against the Pharisees, which was the most popular of the religious sects of the day, and their big bugaboo issue was the resurrection. You cannot prove the resurrection, according to them, through Scripture. So they posed this exaggerated hypothetical case to Jesus regarding, effectively, what we know to be leveret marriage. They're basically saying, well, in Moses, Moses teaches us or gives us this law. It's the leveret marriage law, which is effectively set it up so that if a woman's husband died and they were childless, that the brother-in-law, if he were not married, would have the obligation to step up and marry his sister-in-law and father a child, basically giving her an heir and himself an heir and his brother, deceased brother an heir, so that the lineage can continue. And this was very important in the ancient cultures 
in order to preserve their lineage, in order to preserve the land and the inheritance of the land. So they come up with this case that seven brothers, effectively, one after the other, marry this woman. Each of them dies without giving her a child. So she has no heir. Who is she married to in the resurrection? <laughs> mm. And so everyone's no doubt waiting for Jesus to commit an answer. And he's between a rock and a hard place as far as they're concerned. <laughs> but what he winds up declaring to them is that they have a faulty understanding of the resurrection. He says the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. He talks about this age. Marriage is a gift and institution established by God for the sake of procreation. That's one of the ends of marriage, unitive and procreative ends. But in the age to come, that is in the new creation, there would be no need for marriage. Why? Because effectively, there is no death. Death has been conquered. You will live forever. So there's no need to propagate the human species. And so there's no need for marriage as we understand it today. But that marriage will be subsumed or transfigured between ourselves. Now, instead of being married one to the other, male and female, we're all going to be wed to Christ. Mm -hmm. We're all going to be wed to Christ and part of this mystical body. If we think that we're united here on earth, through the sacrament of marriage, buckle up, because when we enter into glory, we're going to be more united than ever in Christ. So he's shifting the paradigm so that they understand this about the resurrection. Then he doubles down and he says, listen, you're quoting Moses, and you contend that there is no resurrection proof in the scriptures. I'm going to quote Moses too. And he quotes Exodus chapter 3, yeah. the moment of the encounter with the burning bush, where God is described as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not, I was the God of Abraham, or mm. was the God of Isaac or Jacob, but I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, of Jacob. Now, he's not a God of the dead, but he's a God of the living. And this was something, this, uh, this was a mic drop moment, Joe, where you can imagine that uh, that everyone was absolutely shocked at how deftly Jesus yeah. dispatched the Sadducees. <laughs> yeah, that's what I love about these 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 moments in the Gospels. Like every time they think they lay a trap for him, like he just turns it on him, and it's amazing. He only quotes he, he only quotes the books they accept. He only gives them a reference that they would accept. So he doesn't need he could he could access all of the canon. But he limited himself knowing that he didn't need more in order to prove them wrong. And, uh, yeah, he needs to where they're at. Yeah, it's like, a, yeah, like you say, mic drop. It's like, what you got? Nothing. <laughs> well, bye. You know, that's kind of the uh -huh. moment right here with the Sadducees. It's very good. I, I, I think it's amazing, too, because it reminds us that religious sisters and brothers and priests are living the relationship with Christ now that we will yeah. all enjoy in the future, and how quick we are today to try to destroy this relationship by insisting on married priests or, or what have you, and yet it, it would be such a travesty because it's so beautiful that these people commit themselves to this now that, that we will all hopefully enjoy in the beatific vision. Absolutely. They, they really are a sign pointing forward to the reality of the resurrection. And I mean, and to your point, I, I'd extend it even further. As we encounter priests and religious who give up all things for the sake of Christ, 
we, even though we're married, many of us, should aspire to do the same within our own vocation as Amen. married men and women. Amen. HectorMolina.com is the website. HectorMolina.com. Check them out online. Hector, always amazing. God love you, my brother. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. That means we're going to go to play our game show right after this very quick break. If you would like to win prizes, you should call right now, 877-757-9424. Call right now, 877-757-9424. In 1 Timothy, it says that Jesus is our sole mediator, yet we pray to Mary and the saints. Is that going against the Bible? 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. By praying to the saints, we're accused of going against the Bible because it seems we are making the saints mediators between God and man, not just Jesus. In the Old Testament, we see that Moses, Abraham, and Job interceded on behalf of others. That's mediating between God and man. Plus, we know that it is okay to ask others here on earth to pray and intercede for us. That's mediating between God and man. So once again, we have a situation where a passage of the Bible is being misinterpreted and misunderstood. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. But as members of the body of Christ, he allows us to share in his mediation. Scripture says that we have only one foundation, Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 3.11. But Scripture says that there is more than one foundation, Ephesians 2.19 and 20. Scripture says that we have only one Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. But Scripture says there is more than one Lord, Revelations 19, 16. Scripture says that we have only one judge, Jesus Christ, James 4, verse 12. But Scripture tells us there is more than one judge, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Contradictions in Scripture? No, not when these passages are read in context. Jesus is the only foundation, Jesus is the only Lord, and Jesus is the only judge. But we are members of Jesus' body. Therefore, we are able, according to the graces given by Christ, to share in Jesus' role as foundation, as Lord and as judge, and in other aspects of Christ as well. Another example, as a father, I share in God's role as the Father by His grace. And so also the saints in heaven can and do share in Christ's role as mediator. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. A Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. And hopefully Rudy said it just like that when I was away. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Only Joe can do it. Though. Uh, the phone number, if you would like to play our game, you have to call right now. Phone lines are open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. That phone number is 877-757-9424. If you've never played, I'll tell you all about it here in a second. It's fun. It's easy. In the meantime, pick up the phone and dial 877-757-9424. But there are a few things we like to do on the QT, on the down low. You're not supposed to tell 
anybody these things. But nonetheless, number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time, a chuckle. And the callers are amazing. They laugh with us. We appreciate that most. And then we give out prizes, which makes this a winner for everybody involved, because you're going to learn, laugh, and win. It's that cool. And uh, and every, so, okay, here's the kicker, right? So here's the trick. Here's the, the secret sauce. I have three Catholic trivia questions. We don't ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They may not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game because instead of asking them, I will ask Adrian and I will ask Rudy, and one of them will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? And then when they get that right, well, then they go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? boy praise be to god this week's sponsor is gloria lopez who is a dear listener of ours and she has generously offered in every sacred sunday mass journal i'm holding it here if you're on the live feed you can check it out i am holding it it is a beautiful hardbound cloth bound book it's uh it's uh starts i I believe in advent for the new liturgical year and it has coming up it's coming up really quickly and it's got all of the Sunday scriptures on in here and uh, a little space for you to write for all of those different uh, holy inspirations. You're going to get through the scriptures, through the Holy Mass, Whoa. through the homilies. I see. You okay. could write down mm-hmm. uh, Hector Molina's uh, exegesis of the gospel on Sunday in here and uh, reflect on it. And you're going to grow in your faith with this Praise every sacred God. Sunday journal. Thank wow. you, Gloria Lopez. Gloria Lopez for the win. Uh, praise be to God. Thank you, Gloria Lopez. That's very, very generous of you. All right. Let's go to the phones. Praise be to Jesus. Good morning to you, Tanya. Is it Tanya? Good morning to you. Good morning. Did I get your name correct? Is it Tanya? You, it is, yes, and you did get correct. All right. Well, good morning to you, Tanya. Where are you calling from? San Antonio. Great city of San Antonio. Now, you know, Tanya, uh, San Antonio is great, not just because I went to high school there. It has other reasons for also being great. You did know that, right? One would say, despite the of fact. <laughs> no, what, are you a Judson Rockets fan by chance? Um, I'm going to have to say no. What? What do you mean you're going to have to say? I don't even know who Justin Rocket is. I I noticed that almost nobody in San Antonio knows what that is. It's the greatest high school football team in the history of high school football, Tanya. Come on now. I don't follow high school football. Sorry. All right. Uh, <laughs> and, where, where, and if it's from Texas, I'm not from Texas originally. Where are you so. from? Oh, okay. Where are you from originally? Where is um, Texas? I'm originally from Indiana. Hey, most of my family's from Indiana. What part of Indiana? Um, Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. I know it well. Yeah, we have folks from all up and down the state, uh, all over. So uh, we're not far from home there. Where do you go to church, Tanya? Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity. All right. And are you familiar with the game? Do you know how this works? I do. All right. Praise be to God. Are you ready to play, Tanya? I'm ready. You should know. Uh, Rudy Carlos is wearing a bow tie today. Uh, So you need to correlate that information Mm. appropriately when you're given the questions. All right. Mm. We'll start with uh, Rudy, as is our custom, our church-approved tradition. Uh, Must have been hard with you hosting, Rudy, because then... No, you can't throw people off with your tie selection. 
as the host. Oh, don't worry. He did. Oh, I did. Okay. Uh, I did. Okay. I did, Joe. Uh, so are you ready, Rudy? I'm ready. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Are you really, really, really sure? I am really, 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 really sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Can you tell me what term refers to the sorrow for committing a sin, but not for the highest motives? That is, through fear of God's punishment. What do we call that? Okay, so we live in a Catholic Christian society, so you've probably heard this before. Okay. Uh, people yeah. throw the term around. Yeah. Sinphobic. Wait, what? Yeah. You're being sinphobic. I am? Why are you looking at me like that? Yeah, you're being sinphobic, Joe. I am I? Yeah. Sinphobic is your answer. Yep. Sinphobic. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's just see what Adrian has to say. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. Well, can you tell me what term refers to the sorrow for committing a sin, but not for the highest possible motives? That is, mm. to the fear of God's punishment? Well, you know, as someone who identifies as a PhD in, in fear of God's punishment. Really? Yeah. I, yes, I am an expert in fearing God's punishment. I see. That would actually be... Attrition, or otherwise known as, or one might say, A.K.A. imperfect contrition, as you military okay. people might say. Okay, okay. Uh, Tanya in San Antonio, uh, you got options here. Adrian seems to think that this is imperfect contrition or attrition, whereas Brother Rudy says it's sinphobic. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tanya, what say you? I have to go with Adrian. You just what? have to. Like, <laughs> have to. Oh, Tanya. My heart breaks. My heart breaks for you. I mean, you had to. You had no choice, Tanya. Don't worry, Tanya. It's it's a scientific fact that those who go with Adrian become ten times more don't, attractive, don't wiser. Don't feel bad, Tanya. They, they lose eight years. Uh, they become younger. It's a scientific fact. Capital S, trademark of the science. Don't feel bad, Tanya. No One has to admit Adrian is correct on occasion. And when they do, they do so with deference. And you have <laughs> nailed it, Tony. Masterful. Masterful. All right, you're in for one. You could get this. Uh, I'm pretty sure this next one, easiest question of all time. We're going to go with Adrian, uh, who has uh, advanced degrees in easy questions, by the way. At least that's what his professors told us. So uh, let's see what he says here. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes, I can. What is a different name, another name? For Holy Thursday. For Holy Thursday. Well, that would be Wednesday Thursday. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Wednesday Thursday. Wednesday? Wednesday. Like from Juan, the YouTube channel guy? I No, no. Like, like Juan, like the guy who cuts my yard. Really? Yeah. It's his day? It's Wednesday Thursday. Wednesday? No, yeah. no. Wednesday Thursday with a W. What with a W? With a W. Wednesday Thursday. Yes, sir. Okay. Wednesday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh... Rudy, maybe you can help. Can you give me a different name for Holy Thursday? Uh, yeah, it's called Monday Thursday, and I'm not Monday. talking about Monday. I'm seeing a different trend here. Mm. You're on the board for Monday. Monday. All right. M a u n d y. Tanya, uh, Rudy says it's Monday Thursday, whereas Adrian says it's Wednesday Thursday. <laughs> seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Who's just being silly? Tanya, what say you? Rudy has streamed his tie. I have to go with Rudy. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, Tanya, I have a feeling you should not be. Uh, nobody should play poker with Tanya. She's got like that poker got, face. I think she has probably played the Powerball. <sighs> Man, she's. Please she, uh, give us a cut. She really knows what she's doing. <laughs> You're in for two. Let's see if we can't get you a perfect score here. We're going to go back to Rudy on this one. Mm. All right, Rudy. Mm. Hardest question, at least in the last 10 minutes. Okay. Can you tell me how many candles are lit? For a high mass. A high mass. 33 candles, one for each day that our blessed Lord walked this veil of tears. Are you being serious? Yeah, 33 Th candles. For each day? For you each mean year? Oh, sorry. Excuse <laughs> me. Each year. You meant year. Each year, okay. I mean. My okay. bad. 33 is your answer. Yeah. 33. 33. That's, that's like a candle mass. That's like a, that's, that'd be a lot. Woo! Yeah. All right, uh, let's see what uh, Adrian says. Adrian, can you tell me how many candles are lit for a high mass? You know, I, I can, in fact, confirm that this is the hardest question we've done since Joe, has, in the last two weeks that Joe's done. <laughs> yeah, uh, at least. And the answer to that, though, is at least six. You can't have more, okay. Okay. but at least six. six. All right. Tanya, is the answer six or more, as Adrian says, or is it 33 as Rudy is suggesting, 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Tanya, huge Judson Rockets fan in San Antonio. What say you? I am going to have to go with Adrian. Just, just have to go with this anti-Adrian um, attitude? I'm just you like, may need to I'm find feeling... someone to give you like an emotional support hug or something. I think I'm to stay away from San Antonio. Uh, I don't know, but you're in for three. Perfect score, Tanya. You played magically. Hey, uh, we're going to put you in the cup three times. It may be God's holy will that you'll win. You'll have to tune in uh, Friday. But pop quiz, have you ever been to Larry Bird's restaurant in Terre Haute? I have not. you got to put that on your bucket list. you got to put it on your bucket list. You Don't die until you've gone to uh, Larry Bird's restaurant in Terre Haute. You can throw free throws and get a good burger. It's a good deal. You should check it out. Tanya, God love you. Thanks for having a laugh with us today. Thank you. God bless you guys. God bless you, too. I'm going to put you on hold, so don't go anywhere. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side of the show. We survived it. Three hours of sleep, and we survived it. In the after show, I'll tell you what I did while I was on vacation. Had a great time. I'll tell you all about it. St. Stanislaus, St. Catharines, mountain climbing, all of it coming up in the after show. Join us, if you can, on one of the live video feeds at grnonline.com forward slash cdd. Otherwise, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Martin de Porres. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. 
All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. Him serve with fear, his praise forth tell. Come ye before him and rejoice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who led St. Martin de Porres by the path of humility to heavenly glory, grant that we may so follow his radiant example in this life as to merit to be exalted with him in heaven. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, we are the circumcision, we who worship through the Spirit of God, who boast in Christ Jesus and do not put our confidence in flesh, although I myself have grounds for confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he can be confident in flesh, all the more can I, circumcised on the eighth day of the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew parentage, in observance of the law of Pharisee. In zeal, I persecuted the church. In righteousness based on the law, I was blameless. But whatever gains I had, these I have come to consider a loss because of Christ. More than that, I even consider everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let hearts rejoice who search for the Lord. Hearts rejoice who search for the Lord. Sing to him, sing his praise. Proclaim all his wondrous deeds. Glory in his holy name. Rejoice, O hearts that seek the Lord. Let hearts, hearts rejoice, rejoice who search for the, Lord. for the Lord. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek to serve him constantly. Recall the wondrous deeds that he has wrought, his portents and the judgments he has uttered. Let hearts rejoice who search for the Lord. You descendants of Abraham, his servants, sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he the Lord is our God. Throughout the earth his judgments prevail. 
Let hearts rejoice who search for the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus addressed this parable to them. What man among you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon his arrival home, He calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. What woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In some ways, both of these readings from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians and the Gospel according to Luke, speak about being lost and found. <laughs> when I was, uh, oh, probably about 11, 12 years old, we went with my family to Disney World in Florida, and uh, I wanted to ride, go and ride Space Mountain a, a few number of times, and uh, the rest of my family wanted to go see something else. So they left me there to ride at Space Mountain, and I was supposed to meet them at the, the Magic Kingdom, the main, uh, the main castle there at, at, uh, and at about noon. And so they went off, I think, to Epcot Center, and wouldn't you know it, about 11.30, this huge storm rolls through, and, uh, and everything shuts down. Well, not only that, but the, the Magic Kingdom, the castle was basically all blocked off because they were, were going to do their noontime uh, pizzazz show or whatever it was. So not only could I not get to the castle, uh, but it was pouring down rain and lightning, and then... I thought I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. I had no idea how they were going to find me. And so I, and then of course the worst case scenario, did they get struck by lightning, did the monorail fly away, anything could possibly happen. So what do you do when you're 11 years old and you know, and so I went to the lost and found. <laughs> I didn't know where else to go. And I said, well hopefully they'll be looking for me because I'm lost and I need to be found. Well, sure enough, probably about an hour later, they come, they, they've been looking for me all over, and they come to the Lost and Found, and uh, of course, I'm crying, and I was, I was so mad that, uh, uh, that, that, that it happened, you know, it was, so, it was kind of scary, but it sort of reminded me, something about the readings today is that one of the very beautiful things about Christianity, which is unique to Christianity, is it is not so much that 
our search for God, but really that God has come looking for us. We are lost, and he comes to find us. So the beautiful parable that Jesus speaks about the shepherd who goes, who leaves the 99 behind, and then goes out to search for that one out in the wilderness. And when it is found, he is his great joy. And that's the joy that we experience in a way of being found. We have, that's the thing is we need to want to be found. Uh, but and we realize that once we go searching for God, that he has also he already been coming out to us you know, 90% of the way, that he has been searching for us and wanting to come home. I think some, that where that sort of lost and found is seen in, the, in that first reading of St. Paul is that he realized that everything he had found and gained was really loss, a loss in comparison to knowing Christ Jesus. He completely reevaluates everything. He reappraises everything that he found to be important, all the values of being zealous, of being, a fair, being zealous like the, for the law, like the Pharisees. I mean, he found all that to be nothing. Nothing. In fact, he uses the word like garbage compared to knowing Christ Jesus. I often sometimes ask St. Paul for just a portion of that same spirit, you know, to really reappraise everything in life as nothing as compared to knowing Christ Jesus. And that's the thing. He, he found the secret. That is, by, by recognizing everything as his loss, by losing everything that he thought was so important, he finds the most important thing, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Knowing him, that is the greatest value, that is the greatest thing that he possesses. That's so beautiful. In the same way, we recognize when Jesus, that we lose everything and Jesus becomes the most important thing in our life, then we realize we have found it all. By losing, we find. That is the great paradox of the gospel. So while we might be lost, the Lord is looking for us. And if we are ready, ready in a sense, to be found, and, to, and to, to, to turn to him, to come to him. If we have sins, we need to come to the Lord in, re, in repentance and through the sacrament of confession to hear the shepherd's voice once again, to hear that, that we, have, we might have been lost, but we have been found, and he restores us to grace. He restores us to his divine life and his company. To belong to the Lord is the most important thing in our life. What do we value the most? Is that our greatest value? So, a question we have to continue to ask ourselves. We turn to our saint today, St. Martin de Porres. What's interesting, he was canonized in 1962. And even in the United States, he lived down in South America, but even in the United States, you would often find, particularly in rural parishes, a statue of St. Martin de Porres. We have a story in, in our own community, in our lay society. Our, our co-founder, Father John McHugh, has a sort of miraculous story about St. Martin de Porres. Um, his, Father John's father, had developed this sickness. He could hardly breathe. And uh, they, they, that was off in Oklahoma. And Father John was in, he was in the Archdiocese of Santa Fe. And he invited his dad to come down to, to the Archdiocese of Santa Fe, to New Mexico, so that he could breathe better with the, the desert air. And a lot of people do this when they have different uh, maladies of the lungs. So his dad came down. And they were in the VA hospital. And in the bed next to him was this veteran, uh, this, this uh, African-American man, who had this great devotion to St. Martin de Porres. And he introduced uh, Father John and his dad to, uh, to St. Martin de Porres. So they began this novena. And on the ninth day of the novena, the very ninth day of the novena to St. Martin de Porres, this is about 1963-64, all of a sudden his dad starts coughing. And Father John, he coughs up this lung stone 
and he was literally breathing through this small, small hole. Um, but he, he, once he coughed up this lung stone, he could breathe absolutely fine. And so they attribute this sort of small miracle to St. Martin de Porres. This great saint uh, who was born of a Spanish father and a African, uh, an African slave uh, mother had this great, great love for the poor. He was a lay Dominican and he just went out to serve the poor. He had really reassessed everything in his life to find out that in losing everything, he finds the greatest value, the greatest thing, which is to know Christ Jesus. May we come to reappraise everything in our life, that to find the Lord, recognize that first he's been looking for us and found us. And we might have been lost, but we are now found. And the greatest thing that we could have is to have him. We turn to our Heavenly Father with all the needs that we have in our hearts and the needs he himself has inspired us to ask. We pray for the Holy Church of God, for our Holy Father Pope Francis, for his intentions, his health and well-being. We pray to the Lord. We pray especially for the poor, those who have no work, those who have no home, uh, those who do not have uh, a company to be with and to uh, support them, we may support them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray to the Lord. We pray for all those who govern us. We pray for the upcoming election next week. That God's will may be done. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and the suffering. Uh, may they unite their sufferings to those of Christ. May receive comfort uh, in, in knowing Christ Jesus and his love for them. We pray to the Lord. We pray for those who are joining us online for, through Guadalupe Radio Media. Pray for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association. We pray to the Lord. Remember those who have died for the holy souls in purgatory, especially this month of November. We pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we bring all of our prayers and petitions before you, confident that you hear and answer us through Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, work of human hands, who become our spiritual drink. Let's be God forever. Pray to the beloved that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Most merciful God, who were, who were pleased to create 
and blessed Martin de Porres, the new man in your image, the old having passed away. Graciously grant, we pray, that renewed like him, we may offer you the acceptable sacrifice of conciliation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence, by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni suncheli et terra, gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise, for through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of, his, of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son 
and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Martin de Porres, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. <clears throat> May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth. With your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Peace of the Lord be with you always. The suffrage of the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy. You should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be.
Amen, I say to you, that you who have left all and followed me will receive a hundredfold and possess eternal life. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The King of love, my Shepherd, is Whose goodness faileth never I nothing lack if I am His And He is mine forever Thou spreadst a table in my sight, Thy unction grace bestoweth, And oh, what transport and delight From thy pure chalice floweth. Let us pray. By the power of this sacrament, Lord, we pray, lead us always in your love through the example of blessed St. Martin de Porres and bring to fulfillment the good work you have begun in us until the day of Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns forever and ever. The Lord be with you. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. God, Father, praise and glory Thy children bring to Thee Thy grace and peace to mankind Shall now forever be O most holy The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel Defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. 
May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one, from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating 2,000 years of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hello, this is Father Miguel Solorzano, pastor of St. Charles Borromeo Church.